So have you ever experienced a moment in life where you think everything's going well? Everything you're doing is great, people are loving you for it, and people in your life seem to be going along with, with your choices and your decisions. And so you think, hey, everything's great. Only for to, for to come to the realisation that actually we've made some wrong choices, we've made some mistakes and taken some wrong turns. This is something we're going to look at as we explore this, the story of the prodigal son. But first, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us, that you search for us, and that you rejoice and celebrate when we, when we come to you. Lord, I pray that this morning that, that we will hear from you directly, that we will um, be changed from your words and your message today. In your name, amen. So this morning, as we look at the story of the prodigal son or the lost son, I want to, I'm going to break down the story into three chapters or three acts, um, if you will. So the first one, act one, I've called Rebellion and Consequences. So I'm going to read Luke 15, um, um, Luke 15, verses 11 to 16. So, to illustrate a point further, Jesus told him a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings, moved to a distant land, and he wasted all his money in wild living. So, the son went to his father and said, hey, give me, give me what's owed me when you die. How this worked, that's a very complicated and then goes back into historical history and stuff. But he took what was his right as the younger son. Now, his right usually didn't come into play until his father was no longer alive, but he took it. And he spent it. He we moved away straight away. He's like, "Yes, thanks, Dad. I got the money, and I'm I'm out of here." So we can see that the younger son he had like some pride, some greed, some arrogance going on, on in his heart and in and in his decision making. From verse fourteen, about the time that all his money ran out, so he wasn't even wise about the money that he was given. He just took it and spent it. I mean. We probably all have experienced sometimes done that ourselves. We're like, oh, yes, I got a big payout and for whatever reason. And like all of a sudden you're like, where did that all go? <laughs> and not have anything to show for it. But about time his money ran out, there was a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him to, into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the, pig, the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So he's living out some very natural consequences to his actions. Um, if you waste all your money, you're going to run out and may not have f- food to feed. The son, in his pride, in his selfishness, in his rebellion, he disrespected his father. He knew that he wasn't living the way he should. 
The fact that we are told that he went to do wild living means that he probably wasn't acting in a way that was morally right or right in the eyes of God or right in the eyes of his family. He wasn't living up to the way he was raised. But the father didn't stop him from making his own choices. The father didn't um, hold him back, didn't force him to work on the farm. The father allowed him to make a choice, allowed him to be his own person. But as the son soon fell out, found out, and as probably the father already knew, there are consequences to our actions, both good and bad. Which brings us to Act 2 of this story, um, verses 17 to 19. So, the younger son, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son, but please take me on as a hired servant. So the circumstances around, around the son caused him to, it forced him to be humble. It forced him to actually take a look at his life and take stock of what he's done and the decisions he's made and realise that, hey, I've messed up here. I've made lots of bad choices. I've made mistakes. But I know my father and I know that even a hired hand, a hired servant, has plenty to eat. And he trusted that and he was hoping that his father would hire him on as, as, a, as a servant. This is amazing because I find, even in myself, we can get um, stuck in our stubbornness when we've made a wrong choice or a bad decision. Even if we know we made the wrong choice, sometimes our pride um, just gets in the way and we just refuse to either concede our point, refuse to to turn around and, and make a different choice, refuse, refuse to say, that, oh, I was wrong. We know that everyone makes mistakes, but we don't want to admit it when we do. But the son was able to swallow his pride and he was able to clearly see the reality of his situation. So he made another choice, a choice to go home to ask his sons for forgiveness and to admit his wrongdoing. So, brings us to Act 3 in, in verses... Um, oh, no, this is still Act 2, sorry. In, we see what he does in verses 20 to 21. He returns home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called, called your son. But as I'm sure parents in the room know, it's not how it works. <laughs> that your child, your children, are still your children, no matter what they do. Even if you disagree with their life choices, they are still your children. So 
So once the son had a revelation that he's messed up, made a choice, oh, I need to fix this, he didn't delay. There's no talk of him umming and ahhing about the situation, about thing. I mean, he was starving, so I guess hunger actually probably is a bit good um, catalyst and impetus for you to move. Um, but he went immediately to his father and asked for forgiveness. But what I really like about this part is that the father was waiting. The father was watching. The father didn't even wait for the son to get to the house. The father ran out to him and embraced him. He was just overjoyed that his son finally came home, that his son was there with him. And many of you are probably aware that the father in this story is an allegory for God. It is a, it is a reminder that God is there waiting for us. And he also meets us out there. He meets us through the work of the Holy Spirit. He meets us through the work of Jesus and the sacrifice on the cross. God has already raced out to come and embrace us, to come and bring us home, which now brings us to Act 3, which is called Forgiveness and Celebration. um, Verse 22, 23. But his father says to the servant, Quick, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. For we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but he is now found. The father forgave him. He celebrated and threw him a big party. This was not what the son was expecting. The son was actually willing to go, hey, please, hire, like, hire me. I want to be a servant. I want to serve you. But the father said, no, you are my son. And he brought out, had the robe, put the robes, the ring on, sandals for his feet, and brought him in. Like in the story, when we return to God, when we repent, when we ask forgiveness, God, he doesn't shame us. He doesn't condemn us. He celebrates our choice and he celebrates and wants us to be there with him. He wants us. When I was a child, I was always told that, hey, when when someone gives their life to God, the angels in heaven are throwing a party. Basically, it's that that kind of vibe. And the same as us, even if we are lifelong Christians, we still will make mistakes. We'll still make wrong choices unwise choices, unwise decisions. And God still celebrates when we repent and we ask his forgiveness and we come back to him. This doesn't um, belie the natural consequences of our actions. So the son has spent all of his inheritance. So that was gone. Um, He wouldn't get that back. It's not like there's a second inheritance for him. And the father acknowledges that when the older son has issues. And we can do a whole other message on, on, on the other son, but today we're just going to focus on the lost son. So there are still natural consequences. So what do we learn from these parables? The last um, three weeks we've been going through the lost, the lost sheep, the shepherd, 
he searched. The lost woman, the lost coin, the woman, she celebrated and told all her neighbours and friends and had them celebrated. In the lost son, we know the father waited. We know that the lost matter to God. The lost are our friends, are our neighbours, are our family, are us. We matter to God. And God wants us as his people, as his kingdom here on earth, to reach out to the lost to embrace the lost, to celebrate with the lost, to search for the lost, and to welcome them and not condemn them, but for us to be in their lives, shining his light and love so that they can find him. So we're going to go into our response time. We're going to do something a little bit different. So for those that are in the auditorium, you will see that there are little people on the seat in front of you. Feel free to take that or on a seat around you. Um, and don't forget to take the blue tag that's with it. During the rest of the month's time, we're going to play another worship song. And you're welcome to join in the worship. And I want to encourage you to, on this on this person, to write your name and maybe write a note of thanks to God for what he's done, for the fact that he came, that he saved you, the fact that he searched for you, the fact that he celebrated when he found you and that he waits for you. Write your name on this and then during the song, I love it if you come and add it and add it to God's house that I've got here. Those that are at home on Zoom, I'm sorry that you can't come and physically add your, your name or your person up onto, onto the house. But take the moment to, to pray and just to thank God for what he's done. Thank God for his patience, for his forgiveness. But also you can spend time maybe praying for someone in your life that is lost. So we're going gonna to play a worship song. I want to encourage you to do that. If you are unable to come out, just ask your neighbour to go and put your person up on, on, the, on the house as a, as a symbol and as a practical symbol and a reminder that we too were once like, like the prodigal son. <laughs> 